0: Man, slice of a critical thinking life. Yeah. Wow, that's really evocative.
1: Yeah, slice of life, and we hope every bite is delicious today.
0: Oh, man, for sure. Well, and, I, you know, when you say critical thinking slice of life or slice yeah. of critical thinking life or whatever, it's like I just wonder, are we talking about a slice of an otherwise full critical thinking meal? Mm. Or are we talking about a life slice that, unlike the other parts of our life, contains critical thinking.
1: Wow, I was thinking something different.
0: Oh, a third? Yeah, I was thinking
1: this is just a slice. We're taking one bite of a big critical thinking topic today, as we are want to do.
0: And Patty Payette has a PhD in this kind of analysis, so we can tell that she is coming out here with the big heavy weapons today,
1: it, right? The intellectual hardware.
0: Keep keep yeah. yourself armored, ladies and gentlemen. This could get rusty.
1: Yeah, and yeah. this is Dr. Brian Barnes, my colleague here from in the University of Louisville.
0: Somewhere in the bowels of the ivory tower, I once wanted to write a memoir, something like in the public. Restroom in the lobby of the Ivory Tower, something like that. I think is because
1: you're sort janitor
0: of in the in the public restroom. Because lobby. is that
1: <laughs> is that how you're positioning yourself vis-a-vis the Ivory Tower?
0: I think that's the way. That's the level of access I've been given. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, really? definitely in, but not not quite a deep participant. In the public sense, like in the there is public engagement, but much like uh, much like those who are providing a, a needed aesthetic service.
1: Wow. Well. Sometimes you wander the halls and you make you look in on boardrooms and make faces.
0: I do and I mutter. And I mutter. And I like that. I like to go to buildings that aren't mine and just kind of walk through and kind of mutter and shake my head whenever I see someone, you know, not answer any questions. Leave out another exit as quickly as possible.
1: Wow. Well, I hope you guys are getting a feel for Brian's MO.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. it's, It's yeah.
1: He's he, he's, he's on the margins, but then he likes to dive into the middle and swim back to the margins.
0: Mm, man, I yeah. tell you what, not at the You're... undertow gets you, though. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Woo! We're coming at you from Louisville, Kentucky. This is WFMP Forward Radio 106.5 FM! And yes,
1: that's Brian Eating. While we're doing the show, one of six
0: point five FM. <laughs> That's better. Mm. Well, thanks. That's I didn't. Better. I didn't think it was bad. But
1: before. it's okay. You can enjoy us an afternoon snack. I mean, I could just
0: fake it and go. <laughs> 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 you
1: don't even. You
0: don't know the difference out there in radio oh, land. Oh,
1: Man, we are full of vim and vigor today, and critical thinking ideas.
0: We do have some critical thinking ideas. You said that you brought some. What? Yeah. Give us a. Give us a little nugget. What is okay. it that you're? Where, I, what did you bring?
1: I brought the work of this guy, uh, this scholar, his name is, oh, wait, let me get my reading glasses on here. His name is um, Seth Stevens-Dadowitz. Let me make sure I got that right. Hold on. Um, Yeah. Seth Stevens-Dadowitz. And get this. He used to work for Google. Okay. He used to be a data scientist. Okay. And um, he's now a visiting lecturer at Wharton School of uh, the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he has some really interesting st- things to say about big data and thinking. and okay. the way. All right. And so we're going to talk about what big data is. Okay. And some of his airport books, which... He's Seth, got some airport books? Seth, yes. Yeah, Seth, I don't mean to use that in a denigrating way.
0: Yeah, Seth, if you're listening to this, we're just really glad you are. Yeah. That's the okay. main thing. <laughs> well... I mean okay. I, I haven't even looked at the work yet but wow thanks for listening Seth
1: Okay.
0: I'm sure he has something Seth. else going on this is pretty cool Seth
1: we're, I'm afraid we're going to be sorely disappointed or maybe not we got maybe onto not. his
0: calendar if he's listening we made it wow. into this dude's agenda that he
1: googled himself and found his name in the title of the show <laughs> do you think we'd make it into the top <laughs> 100 pages of his google search
0: <laughs>
1: no okay but here's what's the up what in
0: school what's up <laughs> <laughs> okay. shout out from the 502
1: <laughs> we need to explain what airport books are. Oh, because you don't
0: think think the guy at the Wharton School knows? No, he knows.
1: Well, for listeners, for longtime listeners, you might remember we occasionally dip into what Brian and I call airport books. Those are books like uh, Malcolm Gladwell, perfect example, like a researcher and highfalutin academic type Mm -hmm. who writes books that are for the airplane riding crowd. Well, anyone, but they're in airports.
0: Yeah, you've 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 seen the uh, the manual of sophistry, haven't you? The modern manual of sophistry? No. The 48 laws of power?
1: No. That's all
0: that is is just one dirty trick after really? another you, with historical s- context. Do you see that in an airport? It is always in the airport bookstore. Really? I bought it in an airport 12 years ago. And every time I go into an airport bookstore it is still in there. It is still on the bestseller well, well, list. Well, who's the author mm, it's a couple of dudes there I mean it's a really just a a, a compilation of these very short essays with with, with, with with like one historical anchor like Machiavelli said this or something right. like that right but they're all just stuff like wow, like this is really gnarly stuff to give as leadership advice Ma- mani- but that's the manipulate way manipulate it how to definitely. manipulate oh, others oh yeah and it's def it's wow. definitely uh, a bold airport book wow we're sure that um, Seth we're sure that Seth's work is not of yeah. uh, that no. Uh, no. level of no no but and so we we use
1: airport books with this kind of like affectionate nickname that we have. for They're often bestsellers. Books. They are. Yeah. So we're not jealous, but we're just, we just like to use that.
0: Well, path. I'll go ahead and come clean on this because of course, when we started talking about this some years ago on the show, Patty was a fan of airport books and I was definitely down on the airport book for being uh, a shallow capitalistic power grab.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But you know, I'm not saying I'm wrong, but I am saying <laughs> that some of those books actually are Really useful in terms of giving some thinking advice to a popular audience. And I can't argue with that, even if they are also the other thing.
1: Yeah. So, Seth, you know, good book, man. Seth, all right. So let me talk a little bit more about his work now that we've established that. All right. So get this. In his research, he's used Google searches to measure racism, self-induced abortion, depression, child abuse, hateful mobs, the science of humor, sexual preference, anxiety, and sexual insecurity. Topics, almost all of those, we've talked about on this show.
0: Sure. Did we do a lot of self-induced abortion on this show? No. Okay. No, we have not okay. talked about that. Okay. I
1: don't think we've talked about sexual insecurity, but we have talked about um, signs of humor.
0: At, I think we're against both of those. It, it, you know, yeah, we have yeah. talked
1: about the signs of humor. So get this. Humor, sure. His first book, one of the ones we're going to talk about, is called Everybody Lies. Oh, man. Okay. And this was a New York Times bestseller. Sounds PBS like Plato. PBS NewsHour Book of the Year and Economist Book of the Year. And uh, he has a BA in philosophy. Sure, he does. So, <laughs> so it's from not, s- from Stanford, no less.
0: I, no less must make it a BS.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, poom wow.
0: I'm just and saying, it's a little humor from inside the tower.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> His PhD is in economics from.
0: Um, is it Columbia?
1: Harvard.
0: Ah. <laughs> Just down That the little road. school
1: in Boston that well, you may have heard of. You could
0: get there easily by train from the Columbia. <laughs> yeah. So it's my error.
1: In high school, he wrote obituaries for the local newspaper. Uh-huh. Sure. The Bergen Record and was a juggler in theatrical shows. He kind of sounds like you too get juggler. along. He's still a juggler. He's still, he, uh-huh. because you you juggled for, you know, for for tips fun and profit yeah Yeah. fun and profit yeah it would be interesting
0: if this guy ever got together with me and we ended up talking about juggling yeah that'd be so he
1: now lives in brooklyn is a passionate fan of the mets Knicks, jets and leonard cohen do you like any of those i do
0: uh i do like leonard cohen see all right as far as professional sports i don't know (laughs) seems like a lot of us could do better things with our time okay but leonard cohen sure
1: okay he also speaks. Some testimonials on his talks are below. Okay. So that's a little bit about Seth. All right.
0: Okay. Well met, Seth.
1: So he his first book was called Everybody Lies. Okay. And a second book that's more recent is called Don't Trust Your Gut. And they both have to do with big data. So let's talk about what big data is because I think a lot of people have heard the term. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. might not know what it is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So in your own words, what do you... what? What do you think big data is? If you just had to, someone put a gun to your head and said, okay, what is it?
0: I don't know. I've never heard of big data. I've never hung out with big data. I don't have any. um, What would you say? Please take all my big data. Um, So the big data is all of the various data points that are produced by all of the various systems um, that exist in the world such that we could Pull down some subset of those data points and say, "Look, this is information that shows us what Barnes eats."
1: Ah, okay. Right. So we
0: can look at we can look at Barnes's purchases. We can look at Barnes's movements, and we can get all that from the computers, right? Right. And and sometimes it's not going to tell you exactly what Barnes eats. But if it's at a restaurant, it'll give you a total. So then the computer can do a couple of magic, what a, what a, what a, and now we know what Barnes ate, right? Or at least we have a couple of ideas, and then we can match it up with the other times, see what was on the menu then. We can for sure get what Barnes ate, right? Okay. So big data allows you to take what are seemingly innocuous and unrelated instances of a piece of data, one datum, and then put it together with other data in order to create sets that allow you to learn things about people indirectly, just through the data. Not just about people. I mean, about everything. Everything at this point has a big data footprint, and there are plenty of individuals and companies that manipulate that just as much as possible for, again, fun and profit.
1: Yes. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good, yeah. all right. So um, you want like a pithy definition. Oh,
0: I didn't, I wasn't prepared no, for pithy. No, 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 you yeah. did,
1: I let you run free on that one. <laughs> but
0: In the big fields, data is the extremely
1: large data sets that can be analyzed computationally wow. for patterns, trends related to human behavior and interactions. You so you did a pretty good job of using your own data Eating habits as an example.
0: Uh, Sure. I mean, this is, I I remember when I was at the NSA, the FBI, after those folks flew those planes into those buildings, the FBI, you might recall, went back and got these guys' shoppers' cards from Publix or wherever they were shoppers, and they got what they bought, and they created this document that they put out there, which was like, the terrorist diet or something. Like, if people are eating these things, we should pay attention. If these things are coming through the grocery line, wow, we should pay attention. Really? And it was like chickpeas, you know, like pita bread, like, like le- mint. You know, I mean, it's just, just ridiculous, right? But they put this out because this was consistently what these dudes... It's just like, it's just Middle Eastern food. So, of course, it just stereotypes everybody yeah. in this group. That's right? kind of
1: a bad example. That's a dangerous example. Well, it's a good example,
0: but it's... An, an unsavory one
1: yeah unsavory yeah. not, tasty, unsavory. not right. tasty right 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 so so let's talk about his first book everybody lies because that's where he kind of lays out these ideas about big data do you and think do you think that's true do I think what's true
0: everybody lies
1: um in the way that he intends it I would say yeah well actually let's hold that let that's the question to ask does everyone lie? Let's look at what he says.
0: Oh, I just want to know what you said before we oh. figured out what he said.
1: Oh, what I say I mean colloquially. Is, yeah, people lie to themselves, right? And oh, okay, to themselves, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. So, uh, well, they also, okay, well, all right, all right, hold that thought, hold that thought. So, he's, so it starts off, how do you feel about Google having the information that it has about you? And um, this author says, I have a family member who used to be convinced that it was a big problem. He wouldn't use Google search or even consider having a Gmail account. Sure. I know
0: lots of those okay. folks. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, everyone has a right to choose what they will and won't use. I believe the information collection on the internet is a good thing. Okay. This is this author talking about Seth's book. This is uh, Luke Rowley. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Luke. Luke. And so um, it helps sites know how to better market to our needs for one. Well, if you're talking about the algorithms, like you, you shop for a pair of rain boots and then for like four months, you get photos <laughs> of rain boots. That's true. And we can learn a lot about human nature from looking at the data and use it to improve society.
0: Okay.
1: All right. Big data, as it's called, is an important part of our digital world. OK. And so Seth makes his book kind of around and, and the full name of it is. Everyone lies. What the internet can tell us about who we really are.
0: Oh yeah. Okay, not I know who that. we
1: think or we say we are, yeah. but what is data.
0: I know this. Tell us? I know this point of view, and you I'm do? man. I tell you, I find it really, really? weird.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here are the things that Luke said he took away, and let's see what you think. All right. Okay. Number one, big data is better than people at identifying patterns in human behavior because it uses larger sample size to come to conclusions.
0: I mean, if
1: if the
0: other way to do it, if you're saying, Luke and Seth, that the the other way to do it is I just see my my one neighbor. Yeah. And so I make conclusions about the behavior of people like my neighbor because I just see my one neighbor. Right. But big data doesn't have that. Right. 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 That's too, if that was if that was all that was going on, I think there would be a stronger case.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: the reality is that I don't need you know. Sometimes anomalies emerge because we're looking at large well, groups. Well, and yeah, per- right?
1: Purpose is really important. You know, like my sister texted me today. and okay. you know where she is?
0: Uh, no.
1: Monterey.
0: Oh. A place that you know and love. Sure, Mexico or California. California, oh, yeah. Good. and she
1: said to me, "Wow, everyone out here has." Poodles, standard poodles, really popular out here. Oh. Okay, so she's there for, like, a couple days. Sure. She's on her California tour. Sure. And she's like, wow, everybody likes poodles out here, right? So there's no big data, right? There's no big data that she didn't, like, look at you know, the numbers of dogs.
0: So you're saying, the, in this case, big data could give us a clearer picture.
1: Yes. So okay. we're saying, but what I think one of the things Seth is saying in this book, though, is a lot of people will say that. They'll go, wow, poodles are really popular in Northern California. Sure. Right? Because we all you make meaning and use our own lived experience sure. to make sense of the world and draw conclusions. And so what he's saying, though, is sometimes big data, um, what big data does is actually give us Instead of just anecdotal experience or, you know, it gives us actual numbers. I would like
0: to point out that the reason why we may believe that numbers are superior to anecdotal evidence. Yeah. It's because big data told us that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the next one. Another reason that uh, another takeaway was people lie about their actions and feelings, but big data tells us the truth.
0: Oh, pew! What in the world? What? Yeah. Oh, that's disgusting.
1: Surveys, people lie on surveys. But big data
0: tells us the truth. Well, let me wait, 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 wait. Big data has a point of view. Wait,
1: okay. Hold various. Hold your thought. Hold that thought. Hold that disgust. Hold that disgust. (laughs) Uh, Political leaders need to look at information in terms Hmm. of how it can help society as a whole, not on what it tells us about individuals.
0: Okay, but I mean, a sociologist will interpret big data in one way. Yes, and, and a pol-
1: politician will do another way.
0: And so, I mean, yeah, I don't know that that necessarily makes the case. Does it?
1: Well, we I think we I think we're going on Luke's summary of Seth's work., Ugh. I know.
0: You need to read more books Patty. Let
1: me give you let me give you an example, okay. All right, So he talks about, the term big data refers— Okay, so we might use Google searches to determine popular foods in a region. Okay. It's actually rather intuitive, at least in some regards. With this understanding, we can see that in some ways we're all data scientists. Like anytime we're going somewhere and we— Okay, most popular restaurant, right? Like we're, uh, we're Googling. Do people—I
0: guess a lot of people do that. Yeah, huh? a lot
1: of people do that. Don't act I, like you don't. I don't. What?
0: Why would I—no. No, What? Why do I want to go to the place where all the people are? So I can sit for two hours and wait for a...
1: Well, you'll put like popular vegetarian
0: I won't put the word popular in you it. You won't? No.
1: You'll just say vegetarian.
0: Yeah, and then I'll just look See at what, what pops up. up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't... I mean, critical <laughs> thinking is not so interested in following the crowd's suggestion.
1: Well, some... Although
0: there could be value, no question. Yeah, but,
1: there can be value. All right, so he says we like to rely on our intuition, but it's not really scientific. We're right to gather information and try to make sense of it to make predictions, but we need to do it correctly. When we have the right data, we get facts to back up our ideas so that understanding of the world works is correct. Well, I don't know about that. This sounds like some kind of science apologist. (laughs) Did science need all that?
0: I mean, does science is science suffering in its profile? Oh,
1: well, look at this is a hilarious example. I got to give you this all example. right, let's, let's go. One experience that the author had, I guess he's talking about Seth, had with his grandmother is a good example. She once began giving him relationship advice. Oh, nice. Okay. Suggesting all the traits to look for in a companion. Okay, so what would your grandmother suggest out of curiosity, Brian,
0: or one of your grandmothers? Uh, I don't know. I mean, somebody who's, who, you know, cares a lot about you yeah. and wants to, you know, like somebody you can laugh with and yeah. share experiences with and, mm-hmm. you know, I think yeah. they would want them to be a big fan of JC in that book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, religious. Okay. Sure, sure. Wow. Okay. Well, his potential partner needed to be funny, clever, and pretty, just to name a few. Okay. Sure. Looking at this from a data science perspective, she was simply using her eighty-eight years of experience, and the information it had given her to come to these conclusions. Right. Uh huh. Your eighty-eight-year-old grandmother. What will she use to draw conclusions on a partner? She will use. He's saying her lived experience. Of course. Right. Yeah. Over the years, she's seen the traits of successful relationships and was simply passing that down. Mm -hmm. But But. what does research tell us about long-lasting relationship couples? Uh, It says, um, a 2014 study identified with a large enough sample size from big data that the more mutual friends on Facebook made a couple more likely to eventually split up. Let's, let's just sit on that for a second. Okay. Big Data said that the more, if you're interested in a partner and the more mutual friends you have on Facebook, the more likely you are to eventually split up. Interesting. Let's try to interpret. How would we make sense of that?
0: We wouldn't because it's not sensible. Like it's not an actual predictor. It's just It's, it's what we used to refer to in philosophy as rationalizing.
1: Really? So I have
0: a conclusion, and then I go back and look at the evidence and find out which evidence supports the conclusion that I already have. That's what's happening. That it's all that this does, really? right? Is it's going back and it's saying, well, there is all this data that supports this conclusion yeah, that we already there's have.
1: There's gotta be some interesting explanation for that.
0: I'll bet there is, but big data doesn't provide that. Big data no. only provides the data points That's and right. allows us to just fill it in. And the word that we used to call that back in the school days was rationalizing, okay. which is a sophistic
1: technique. Okay. But what if I'm speculating? Speculating
0: is speculating. great. Speculating. Okay. Sure.
1: So let's speculate. Yeah. What do Inductive. we... Inductively. Inductively. Yeah.
0: We can never be certain with speculation. Right. Okay. So, right. And I'm big just... data doesn't want to be like that. Big data wants to come down certainly because we've got 112 data points here as I, opposed to six. I know, so but I'm unless
1: certain. I read about that 2014 study, I'm just curious what we might make of that, you and I as thinkers. The more, what did it say? The more mutual friends, more I mean, I can come up with up. wild stuff, right? Like it's, what? It's
0: because, it's because the more mutual friends you have on Facebook, the more opportunity there is for these people to... Um, intervene in unilateral ways with one or the other of you Mm. in order to undermine your relationship in the long run because Facebook is not really about building relationships. Facebook is about drama.
1: Wow, interesting. Okay, so let me think about it this way. If I was looking for a partner and they had a lot of mutual friends and we, I wonder if... There's too much, like, would you would you be inclined to stay together because you have all these friends? Maybe. maybe. As opposed to where there was someone you didn't have, knew, nobody else knew that person, and you were maybe more likely to be like, eh, do I want to bring this person into my friend group? Do I really want to spend time with them? It's interesting. And maybe, yeah. Or in the other one, you might be more like, oh... They already know how how convenient that is for me socially. But then there's also so, another issue
0: where you've got maybe maybe you've got uh, a lot of people in the friend group who have characteristics of your partner, but maybe they're better. Uh, maybe they're more desirable. Like because you know one another because you're into the same sorts yeah. of things, but there's there are other people maybe who are more like the partner. Than the partner. And so then you have quick access to those people. Oh, so you're like oh, oh Ted really knows about the teenage mutant ninja turtles. you're just kind of a poser.
1: Oh, so, so I see so maybe there's a type that you're drawn to. right. And there's a whole array of them.
0: Oh sure. yeah, yeah. Facebook's got a whole swath yeah. for you to cut through there.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm okay, yeah. see? Yeah. I get that. It's some science that.
0: fiction stuff, right? It's I like get that. it's like, you know, you start with the lover in the real world, and then you get online together, and then suddenly all these online lovers displace the real lover.
1: Oh, is that from like a Philip K. Dick short story? I
0: mean, I, it could be. I you know.
1: guess, well, That's but probably. no, it wasn't really online when he was writing.
0: Yeah, maybe, a, maybe a William Gibson. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, so here's another lesson. Big data, big data tells us about the deep dark secrets that people won't share. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready? One Mm -hmm. university recently asked students in a poll to share their GPA. What percent of participants mentioned their 2.5 or lower GPA? What percent, if you had to guess?
0: Oh, I mean.
1: Those who had lower than 2.5. I mean, I don't know.
0: I mean, 70, 70, let's see, maybe 75% didn't.
1: You're pretty close. 2%. Did
0: two? Per, no, I'm not close. <laughs> Ninety-eight well, percent didn't. But
1: wow. when the school checked the official records, the actual number was over five times that, to about eleven percent. Hmm. It's pretty obvious from this that people lie on surveys. We do this because we don't. We want to look good, even in the face of someone that we don't know, which we have done a show. We did a show about that. Hmm. Um, this is also known as social desirability mm, bias all right. and people don't just lie to become liked. They also try to impress whoever's asking the survey questions, okay. regardless of how well we know someone, this psychological bias takes over and we try to make a good impression. Have you ever done that?
0: I did do that. Yeah. When? I that. When? Oh, it was terrible. I don't what, even want to talk what? about it. Really? Was yeah. it that bad? You're not? Oh yeah.
1: Really? Can you change the name and pretend it's about someone else?
0: I pretended. I pretended in a conversation yes. one time. I only did yeah. this one time.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, to have credentials that I did not possess. Oh, yeah. And you I did it. I did it entirely because of the. I, I felt so inferior socially in this group, and so I inflated.
1: Really? My own
0: credentials, yeah, to the group.
1: Even, was it sort of like a group where the, it was like, it, it wasn't like friends. It, it was just been, like, it, it was been, like non, it was like not kind of like it didn't really it, matter.
0: It mattered because the way that I did the inflation <laughs> connected directly with someone else's non-inflated credentials who were in the group. Uh-oh. Oh, it was murder. Uh-oh. it was like the worst social
1: oh faux pas
0: yeah as an adult it was like one of the worst oh, social did? situations so, ever
1: wow so yep. you really you social desirability was very Oh, Important yeah, I was
0: wrecked right then. I just needed it. I just <laughs> wow. needed it. And it just, and it just got worse after that. <laughs>
1: but, you, but you know what? You don't really seem that way now.
0: Oh, no, I totally... You seem... You I, seem I felt of... sketchy about it then, and then after I did it, I was just horrified. Really? Like, I mean, just as soon as it fell out of my mouth, I was like, I can't believe you did that.
1: Wow, okay.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I'm not into right. that at all.
1: Oh, you know, so when I do that is when I go to the store... And I like am at to pay for something. I'm at the cashier and I pull out my wallet and stuffed with all these like wrinkled old receipts. And I'm trying to find I'll be like, oh, I spilled my wallet in my purse. Uh You know, I'll say that so I don't look like a total slob. OK, OK. I'll I'll be like, you know, I'll come up with a reason like, oh, I digging around in my purse like, oh, I spilled my wallet and I can't find anything. It's just as my sister calls it a junk drawer with handles.
0: But <laughs> I mean, so so you're telling that lie in order to increase the your social desirability in that.
1: I don't look like a total slob to this complete stranger right. for all of a 3 minute interaction. Well, cuz for
0: sure the whole thing's going to go a lot smoother with that stranger if they think that you have your stuff together but if it looks like you don't yeah. then They'll you're be a like, spectacle. What a well, you're also like you're a spectacle there and you're yeah. out of place and these and these things and maybe we don't maybe we find that undesirable.
1: Yeah, maybe they're like should you even be buying this? Maybe that's what they're mm-hmm. thinking in their head. Sure. So anyway, all right, so that's one thing. All right. So just think if someone that looks similar to your dad was asking you about your drug use in college, you probably wouldn't be willing to share the truth. <laughs> That's probably true for you, young interesting, man. Interesting. Uh, this is why surveys are unreliable. But where big data comes in to save the day, what we do online seems anonymous to us, but the information collected collected can tell us when we're lying. Some surveys that asked about sexual acts, for example, showcases this perfectly. A far less number should be few, uh, far f- fewer number of people were willing to try certain things in surveys compared to the actual amount that showed based on the search data from websites
0: Yeah, you see, but that's not I mean like is that, the search I data from websites doesn't mean doesn't that mean people Doesn't mean they're willing
1: to do it. To, like try yeah. something crazy.
0: Even if they looked up how to, it doesn't mean that they did it. Maybe
1: they're just like Like
0: what's our percentage? Uh, like what's our I mean, is there some <laughs> survey that they're all or some study they're all going off of that says a certain if if this many people looked up how to do it, that means this many people actually are did doing it. it. And it's like I don't think so. Mm. I don't think that that's true. Have you ever
1: done a survey like that? Has anyone ever given you a survey?
0: And what does the survey do? Sexual acts. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I used to fill out, you know, all these things online that were like, you know, back in the day that were like, you know, all of the, all of these, you know, all these things are like vaguely risque or you know illegal or something and it's like have you done oh, all these kinds oh, of things oh like like yeah. yeah
1: have you ever you know had sex in a public place or something, what, like, something that like that or, that, or whatever sure. okay yeah. okay well um that's an interesting connection they're making here which as you point out doesn't necessarily Mean that people are looking things up on a website that they're doing them.
0: Well, I mean, we would have to see exactly We have to go to the book and see yeah. exactly how yeah. he's doing yeah. that. Yeah, this
1: is just we're going on Luke's but, summary here. Well, that's we're fine. That's Luke's fine. Summary. But I
0: mean, I do wonder. I mean, I do. I, I bet there's some body of statistics out there that's saying exactly that.
1: Probably it'd be right? all right. Maybe yeah. we need to look. So here's the third lesson: <clears throat> Society will be better off if the government uses big data to look at helping society as a whole rather than specific individuals. So what basically is saying that isn't necessarily a bad thing that um, big data is taking all your Google information, but there are implications we should think about. Mm. What if the government decided to use the information from your Google search? Okay. Okay. So they give the example of uh, if people search for suicide-related phrases, for example, then it might be a good idea to notify the local police. He says, no, no, no. Right. About 3.5 million searches for suicide-related words happen each month, but only 4,000 actual suicides. So following up does not make sense, let alone the ethical. So instead, we look at how we can use regional data to influence people's lives for the better. Mm -hmm. We get much more promising results. Mm. Research indicates that actual suicides do correlate with Google searches on the state level. Huh. Isn't that interesting? That yeah, is interesting, yeah. So local police departments could then determine whether the search rates for these terms are higher in their state, implement measures to reduce. So this is interesting. But I, that's a
0: slippery slope about everything. I mean, the question is, do you want a government that is in the business of protecting you from yourself?
1: Um, hmm.
0: You know, and I mean, I think that to some degree, all of us want that. Even if we won't admit it, right? Because all of us will probably agree that things like traffic rules are useful. Yeah. Right? Like we want traffic rules. Like yeah. I've I've driven in Mexico City and no one pays attention to traffic rules. That's my anecdotal experience. Um, and I mean No one
1: pays attention it's, to
0: traffic. It's very congested and it's Panama City has a similar uh, feature. Yeah, where people just really just really creep in ...to traffic and, you know, are very, you know, make very abrupt movements. And we're talking about centimeters of distance between cars. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And you'll find, like, these, you know, eight lanes just packed and wow. stuff like this. So, you know, it's, it, 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 oh. it's, it's difficult to—it's very chaotic. And if you spend any time in those kinds of environments with very—some traffic laws, for sure, but also very loose traffic rules— you might see the usefulness of traffic rules, right, being enforced. Yes. Or you might see the usefulness of there being, um, you know, some regulated behaviors in society, right, such that we can't just walk up and smack somebody in the face for no reason. Like there's a line drawn somewhere. And, of course, that can go too far because right now we're living in a United mm-hmm. States where uh, a woman's right to choose her own um, path in terms of pregnancy is um is very much uh compromised at the moment so certainly we can have overreach i think i think this is an example of that overreach but you would want i think some kind of system of making rules hey we thought that last conversation was starting to suck so we just stopped maybe maybe This one will be better for everybody. I don't know. You can reach out to us on Facebook if you want to talk about it.
1: Newer book, Seth's book, is called Don't Trust Your Gut, Using Data to Get What You Really Want in Life. Sounds like he met Brian uh, uh, Tracy.
0: (laughs) Any number of sophists in the big data department. Yeah.
1: So it's about what everyone believes but everyone is wrong about.
0: Ugh. Everybody who does big data (laughs) has the same approach, man. Yes,
1: it is, uh, it is. So get this. I'm ready. The mythology of the young, often college dropout startup founder persists, right? So when we think of like a startup and a who do you picture? You picture like...
0: Bill Gates. Yes. Yeah, one of these guys. Mark Zuckerberg. Sure, sure, Steve Jobs. Right,
1: and say the data on successful entrepreneurs contradicts this archetype according to the research based on big data All right. that's in Don't Trust Your Gut. The most successful entrepreneurs are experienced professionals in their forties or fifties or even older. So it's not too late for us.
0: Okay. Well I'm ready. Let's keep going. Well sure. you kind of already are. Well you, you know, kind I'm of already doing my, are doing the
1: people who start and run businesses that make money are demographically diverse and have worked for years in the industry in which their business is situated. Fascinating. And, and yet there against. are some
0: people who are in fact these iconoclastic startup folks.
1: Okay. I will say I will say another insight he he found on um, dating sites. Okay. That the thing that people are drawn to are what?
0: Uh wealth, beauty. Site. Funny. Yeah, I guess.
1: Good looks is the number one thing, sure. and he said that, Big Data says that actually is not conducive, the The thing that guarantees you're going to have a lasting relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So
1: you shouldn't look at that. But you shouldn't look at that. You're you looking on a dating site.
0: You shouldn't look at it. Yeah. Like, are you saying that he's saying that Big Data is saying... That we shouldn't even consider that you, as a sh- as a piece of well, the puzzle. Well,
1: no, you, is this saying that? Shouldn't but you look. shouldn't use that as your central criteria. Yeah. Criterion. Yeah. Okay. You know, do you have a problem with that?
0: Well, it just seems like there's this business about personal preference being highly idiosyncratic. It's almost tautological what I just said. <laughs>
1: What does that even mean?
0: That it's true no matter how you spin it. (laughs) I mean, isn't it the case that some people are going to say, well, I mean, I really appreciate everything you've done here, Seth, but I'm looking for a hottie.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because in some ways what this book about, Don't Trust Your Gut, is like all the things that you intuitively, not all the things, a lot of things you intuitively want or pursue or perceive Yeah are actually according to data, not yeah. the things that give you a happy life.
0: Well, right. I understand that. And that's yeah. that's understanding that, that that's, that's going off of a certain a way of measuring happiness, which yeah. I think is interesting to think about, but may or may not be exactly representative. I mean, that's also like, that's, I mean, this is the same body or the same school of thought that says, I think that says things like once you get to a certain amount of income, you're not any happier. Yeah. And boy, talk about a big data joke. There are a lot of people for whom this is not going to be the case at all. They don't ever, I have never seen a serious academic who uses this idea, scaling it for the market. So it's like if I live in San Francisco, I'm afraid that $67,000 is not going to do it. Like it's not gonna my happiness right. would still improve. Right. But
1: maybe in in somewhere like the middle of Kansas.
0: But the whole point is mm-hmm. it's it would definitely be market-based, like that number. Yeah. Instead of us all just throwing out the same number somewhere in the sixty thousands and yeah. saying that's that's it. And it's also like that's assuming that in the first place your happiness is some your happiness whatever that is is somehow tied to this number yeah right and i think for the purposes of big data i think that's very nice that we can again say look we have these kinds of outcomes well go let's go back and look at the the data points but i think that when it comes to us actually being happy or not mm. the raw amount of money might only really be a very small criterion in the first place such that we could not expect to measure happiness based upon how it moved in our lives as opposed to other things in our lives.
1: Well, you know, he's a philosopher too. You two need to go head to head.
0: Oh man, we're going head to head. I'm afraid okay. I've got you in a bag right now, well, sir. Listen to, <clears throat> this, listen to this. He feel said, free to if find you, us on Facebook.
1: If you want many dates, your dating profile should emphasize extremes in behaviors, looks, or predilections. What you want is a few people to really want to date you rather than many people being lukewarm on an average set of traits. So instead of saying, like, I like wine and long walks on the beach, you say, I like Leonard Cohen and, you know, going to Akron for dinner
0: and short walks on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Like you 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 let all your little quirky specific things in to lead because then the few people that are attracted to that Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to do mass appeal Mm -hmm. you're trying to find the needle in the haystack of
0: person who wants to be with you i see but is that true for a dating website like i don't know if that's actually true it would strike me that a lot of people on dating websites are there precisely for the variety like they're not expecting to find one person at all
1: well, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think... I, I don't... I, I think... I don't know about that. I don't know if that's true.
0: Well, I don't know either. I mean, I've been saying... It just seems like... It seems like you could use a dating website in a number of different ways. And yeah. I think a lot of people maybe use it as a way to find a variety of partners as opposed to hone in on the one.
1: hmm I don't know. Some people are just ready to give up. So they're just like brutally honest. (laughs) They're brutally honest in seeing if anyone's into that. Well, if the people you know who
0: use websites are people who have given up and are more or less resigned (laughs) and desperate, then I think you will get these kinds of uh, responses. But I don't know that that's how the website needs to. I mean, far be it from me. It's all conceptual to me. I don't know what direction you swipe. I I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't, You've
1: never used that. I
0: have not You've signed never. up for one of them and I don't I don't know anything about them. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm old school. Yeah. yeah. I'm really old
1: school too. Yeah. So. Hey, can I buy you a drink?
0: <laughs> can I bum a
1: cigarette?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how we wow.
1: Do it. Wow. you I don't think you get many dates
0: with that approach. I mean, like that, in 19 voice? in 1989 it was the stuff. Really? Even, I'm telling you. Even ya.
1: with that voice? Yeah, that was,
0: yeah. you know, you know, the gravelly um, thing, of, it comes and yeah. goes in culture, you yeah. know. I think, uh, yeah. no, I'm sure that that yeah. didn't work.
1: So he says, it's a myth that conventionally less attractive people, whatever that means, can't get dates with conventionally attractive folks, whatever that <clears throat> means. According to the data, the key is to message as many people as possible. Dating success, as in other endeavors in life, is mostly about. Maximizing opportunity, but that's why I'm
0: saying that's the dating site, right? Like so we're just gonna put You're and just
1: like scattershot. and that like, just strikes
0: just... me as about as far away from anything like mm. romance really? as we would don't you think? Mm. So what I so let me just give a scenario again I haven't used okay. these I haven't used these All apps. Right. but let's give a scenario so so I'm gonna go today, yeah, and I'm gonna send messages
1: right
0: to a couple of hundred people right who I have matched with through this app. Yeah. Knowing that I'm not particularly uh a high prized item on this platform.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: But I'm going to send them to as many you know, Just top like top a, tier folks as I can. Yeah. And I only need one. Right? So that's my attitude. Is that I only need one I only need I only need a handful to respond and then I can Maybe I can turn that into one because I really only need one right. at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Just one person, right? You don't need fifty. Really. But if it doesn't work out, I can try this again tomorrow. I get it. This just strikes me as a. V- this strikes me as very different from any way that I've met someone. Hmm. I mean, I guess I've met people online. I guess I have met people online. Like I've, I didn't know them until I right. met them online. Right. But in terms of a dating relationship, I. Did, Again, I'm like the old school. It's like you, you, there's there's a person and either I notice them because we spend time together and I've gotten to know them yeah. somehow or I just saw in them. in your circle. They're or I just circle. saw them and they just Across blew the me away and, and I went, like, whoa.
1: Wow, look, they're wearing a Monty Python t-shirt. I wow. like Monty Python. And, then, wow. and this
0: ought to be the thing. I mean, right. but, but all of it is based yeah. for me, mm-hmm. whether it's the, whether it's that, you know, sort of social interaction, or it's that, um, you know, individual, you know, get, you know, lightning strike or whatever it might be. It just, it just strikes me that that there's a mm. lot there. I don't imagine, just to clarify, I don't imagine when I'm in a bar or something if I'm single, I don't imagine that every woman here is available. Good, but Good. Th- but that's what this would imply somehow. Like in the dating pool, it's like. Everyone, but everyone's not available. Well,
1: they're saying if you're like on a dating website where people are putting out their shingle.
0: But that's what I'm saying is that the old way you wouldn't make an assumption. No. That's always like a goofy no. comedy thing, right. right? Somebody assumes. Although, that, right? get
1: this: one of my friends met his wife because they were at a, uh, it was either a bar or a restaurant, and he saw her, and yeah. he was just enchanted by her, and went over, and they. And, exactly, and they and now they're married. Exactly, and they're both wonderful. Yeah. And, and this is this is wow. The, that's like, what are the odds of that? Well, that's it's like, how
0: everybody did it once. It's how everybody. Did <laughs> everybody. It once. It's. Yeah, like, I mean, that's back,
1: that's old school.
0: Like yeah. you go to these social events and you meet people, right?
1: Right. Okay. Well, this is a really interesting thing. I think one of the premises of this book is that if you want things like a robust dating life, or you want things like. Um, you know, to open your own business, and you're like, oh, I'm too old, and you read about data-based truths about human behavior and interactions, then the idea is that instead of going, oh, um, yeah, instead of using your gut to make decisions, you're you're making data-based decisions.
0: There's something in here that's really impersonal, right, with the big data thing, and I think that's where... I start to feel sketchy about it in terms of things like social interactions, right? So it's sort of like the person who says, I don't have any friends, but I've calculated that if I go to this number of events of this type, that eventually, and if I seem to have a good time, then enough people there will be gravitating toward me in my Mm -hmm. positive energy that um, over time and a couple more variables, I will be able to make some friends. That strikes me as a, as manipulative from the start. Wow. Like, I don't give a crap about you. You're friend three. I'm, mm. I need friend four now. I've got five I'm trying to get, but thanks for being friend three. I'll, I'll circle back around in a statistically appropriate amount of time. Really? I mean, that just strikes me as really gnarly as a way to go about Interacting with people. Okay,
1: well, what do you think about this? Something I did once.
0: Oh, my gosh. I was True confessions dating. on critical thinking for everyone. I was
1: dating a certain type. Okay. And it wasn't working out for me. So okay. you know what I did?
0: You went against
1: type. Exactly. Okay. And totally worked.
0: Oh, it worked? Yes! What do you mean it worked?
1: I married to the guy. Oh,
0: you married the against type yes! guy. Yes! Oh, man.
1: Like, so I was like doing my own date. I was like, okay... I've spent 10 years so you, dating. So you big dated this all, guy. Of this all of these guys have these same qualities, which okay. I profess to be, that I am attracted to, and I profess as desirable. But yet, when I get into these relationships, these things that, these outward things that I, not out, all outward, but like personality or other things that yeah. I thought would be great match, that has not worked out. So you know what? I'm going to go other direction. Wow. And...
0: Okay. Does well, that, did you all have that conversation at some point? You were like, hey, <laughs> I really, I'm really, i really into you. I didn't think I would because you're not my type.
1: Um, did we have that conversation? Um, kind of. Yeah. I was sort of like, you know, we're really different in some big major no, ways. No, that's
0: totally a different conversation.
1: Oh, well then, no, I don't know that I actually had that. So he might be learning this, listening to the show. Okay, like,
0: well, I look forward to the <laughs> report about... About this, maybe. maybe We've been be...
1: married for 23 years, and I and don't think I ever told him. Sands
0: through the hourglass. <laughs> I could These... say, I you,
1: I was going against type, and look, I would just, look how awesome I want, like, it was are like, you, the are way do, to go. Are you then
0: advocating that everyone go against type? I do. I it so, turns out, yes. Sometimes, do you do a lot of that now?
1: No, no, but sometimes I will tell my single girlfriends, I have said over the years, when they'll be like, oh, things aren't working out, I'll yeah. be like... You know, I think you need to go for the guy who isn't like, look at me, look at me. You know, like maybe you need to look at the guys who are a little more self-possessed, quieter, mature, you know, not like trying to set themselves on fire to get your attention. Oh, man.
0: You know, it's tough. It's tough to not want that.
1: (laughs) Well, I do advise that sometimes.
0: Okay, And they keep coming back for advice. (laughs)
1: Well, anyway, I just, so I did like my own big data thing. i and I went against my gut. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: And it worked out.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know that I've done a bunch of that. I don't know that I I mean, I certainly changed directions here and there. but in terms of like creating my own statistical analysis and using that data, yeah. I, i'm not I'm not a person who has spent much time, but
1: but doing that. You know you could do that. This book suggests, sure, that sometimes when you are, going with your gut or going with your instincts or going with what feels good and yeah. then you go well this isn't working out yeah let me try a shift that's against my natural tendency yeah and see if it could work for you
0: hmm you heard it here first on critical thinking for everyone, folks. We're saying it's the big data shift.
1: Are, do you? Is there something in your life that you need to look at from a data perspective to better understand?
0: Uh, I don't know. No? I don't know. I mean, there are already <laughs> things I look at from a data perspective, but literally they're data. <laughs> so it's sort of like, I mean, you You're talk about... doing that? Yeah, you talk about bringing a, a big data <laughs> approach to something I don't do that with. So I guess uh, like... I guess um, maybe I could come up with some ways to optimize play time or something for my dogs through fun. big data, like through analyzing something that you maybe. might measure and coming up with like charts and measures. I certainly have done a, a decent job with food and stuff like that for myself, and I guess, you know, money if i flatter myself so i mean i but those things literally are already data well points.
1: and you have this smartwatch, which I do. gives you data i do and so that was uh, the food part i'll you know? give you another example of how this happened to a friend of mine right. she and her husband were arguing about money okay and one of the things he was like was well you are spending too much money she's oh, yeah. like what are you talking about oh, so yeah. you know what they did Got a they, divorce. Got oh. <laughs> they got an app. Oh, uh, they got an app that time. tracked the spending and guess well, who was the spender?
0: I suppose you're going to say it was him. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. So they got big data. When she was like, "Oh yeah, you think I'm the one spending money? Uh-huh. Let's get some data and look at this." I so don't then, understand
0: why you'd need an app. How much money are we talking about?
1: Well, like, it's just lots of purchases, hundreds of day transactions to day. Per month. Yeah, hundreds of like say a hundred transactions. And so the data didn't lie because the data was like, dude, you are
0: a spendthrift. But I bought these things for you, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, the big data oh, doesn't track that. Oh,
1: yeah. So, so, but I half mean, half a those point things, if you bought it for me. Those things can be helpful to people yeah. who are like having trouble. They're in the weeds and they're trying to step back and look at apps or things that can help them track bigger things like spending.
0: Now, that is true, though, in terms of that. I just recently had a situation. I was working on this um, on the artifact for this fellowship. Right. Yeah. And you and I were talking about it, um, that I had to I had to produce something for this fellowship that I had, the Rector Fellowship. Yeah. And um, we were we were talking about it and it occurred to me that it might be really useful for me to make a quantitative artifact to make something to track data points instead of just having a qualitative understanding of the ideas that I was working with. And I hadn't, I hadn't used any quantitative structuring before at all in this, in this material. And it ended up being really useful because it was intellectual traits, which we often talk about here on the show, those characteristics that you and I might develop that make us better thinkers or whatever. (laughs) And, um, I had a lot of them. I had hundreds of them to track in this particular structure. And I was trying to make general statements about the group of them. But I didn't have any way to, like, numerically identify Mm -hmm. anything. And so I got some numbers together, which you ended up seeing, I guess, that while they were not so much representative always and everywhere, Mm -hmm. they were enough... Numbers to help me say, well, this one does what I want more often than this other one, and I could rank all of the different intellectual traits that way, which was really cool. Um, uh, you know, hmm, to to be able to bring that in, yeah, because the foundation for critical thinking is totally qualitative, so they don't they don't hardly ever use any kind of data points. So that was well, kind of new for me. you
1: know, philosophers don't often use data, right? Analytic
0: philosophers are loaded with data, and that's really? the that's the uh, overwhelming majority of philosophy that is taught in the United States and in Europe is analytic really? philosophy.
1: Really? And Seth would be in that camp?
0: I don't know. Yeah, but, oh. but it's very likely that if he's a philosophy person who also studied economics together, it's very likely that he got a good dose of analytic philosophy okay. and very little continental philosophy.
1: Okay, which is what,
0: which is the your, qualitative. Stuff.
1: You're kind of old school. You're well, they're they're school.
0: both they're both old school at this point, but yeah, I do like the um, you know continental philosophy is more interested in lived experience as opposed to measured experience. Even though it's important to still make conclusions about that yes. lived experience, yes. analytic philosophy loves measurements and stuff.
1: Wow, wow, interesting. So, well, I I really i really going to look for ways I can use big data in my life.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: I might even check out one of his books in the library.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, what are they called? Don't Trust Your Gut? Is that one of them? Yeah. Yeah. What's the other one? The other one's Everybody called lies. Everyone Lies.
1: Um, speaking of books, last year we talked about a book called Time Management for Mortals. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, someone gifted me a copy. Oh, wow. I'm going to read it. Yeah. I'm going to use it because oh, I'm mortal. You are. And I could use help okay. with figuring out my time management. Oh,
0: wow. Maybe you'll get some big data in there.
1: And, yeah, and I'm going to report back.
0: Oh, excellent. Well, it sounds good. We'll have okay. a report from a mere mortal before very long.
1: And, I yes, and you are getting ready to travel.
0: I am. So are you.
1: Yes. Yeah. You'll be gone out of the country. Yeah. And we you be wearing mask while you're traveling. Oh yeah, traveling? yeah, yeah. Quite a bit, yeah. And, and in Panama, we you be wearing a mask regularly.
0: Uh, Panama has now lifted the mask mandate, so yeah. I probably will not be wearing it unless I'm in. Um, there are some places that are definitely crowded, okay. like the metro and you know some restaurants, grocery stores, stuff a mask? like that. Definitely, we're masking those places. Okay.
1: Yeah. Somehow you have gone two years and you have not gotten this virus.
0: Fingers crossed.
1: Dude, I, um, I I'm in awe.
0: I just have all these little barriers.
1: Well, okay. Yep. I hope you have a great trip.
0: Well, thank you. I hope you have a great trip as well.
1: Thank you. I'm just going to Florida.
0: Well, Florida is foreign enough so. these days. <laughs> Good lord. They got talking mice there. What
1: are you talking about? I know, I know, and ducks. Yeah, are you going
0: to are you going, going to Epcot? The
1: the the um, conferences at oh, yeah. disney so yeah. i, I will i've been be, to conferences at disney i will be in zoo. the vicinity oh, yeah. now you'll be in it they'll be i'll be in it
0: be mouse ears everywhere all right well we'll bring we, you
1: back something oh that would be fun <laughs>
0: that'll be fun bring me back a bring a philosophical mouse i don't know okay yeah, yeah i we'll, will look for one look for one I will. <laughs> all right folks we hope that you have uh, some nice travels maybe if you're doing them if you're staying home maybe it's time to look at some big data and see what it can do to change <laughs> your life. We're um, we're deeply contemplating this option here at Critical Thinking for Everyone. So as you're going through your day and as you're looking around, you're saying, hey, there's gotta be some ways I can improve this thing. It might be with the data points and it might just be also with thinking about your thinking, which you are totally capable of doing and which really when you get right down to it is for everyone. Even you. Hey, did you dig this? Well, we dug doing it, and we sure would love your support if you're interested in hearing some more of it. Have you even thought about donating to Forward Radio? It's been so long since anyone brought it to your attention, but you know what? We still need like 25 bucks a day to make this thing happen, and it is a community treasure. Please go to forwardradio.org and donate today!